We are back and Celtic are still bad. The four horsemen of the apocalypse get together to discuss Dominic Mackay, Peter Lowell, him, transfers, major Celtic change in the future and so much more. So sit back, get a couple of cans and engross yourself because the Grand Old Podcast is back. Right, as the Grand Old Podcast reconvenes for episode number 98, Neil Lennon somehow still clings on to his job at Celtic Park. Quite how, yeah, I'm not really sure. We may be able to provide some answers over the next hour or so on this episode. I'm Hamish, by the way. This is a bit of a stellar cast for this episode because we've got the full squad have decided to turn up, say hello. Has this ever happened? Uh, I was going to introduce you guys before you started speaking. Um, How about that? Just remember who's in charge here. Uh, hello, Paul. Hello, how are you doing? Hello, Ewan. How are you? How's it going? And John? Yes. Well, we all know that we're pretty rubbish at the moment. Um, what, the podcast? Yeah, all of us are rubbish and Celtic are rubbish. How are you, Hamish, is the question. It's, it's In all honesty, guys, it's a struggle. It's a real, real struggle at the moment. Um, I don't want to repeat ourselves too much in this podcast because I feel like we've done this to death because it's the same things that keep happening week after week. One thing I want to touch on at the start of this episode, and you can bring the the game yesterday into it, is just the apathy you feel at the moment with regards to Celtic. I can only talk for myself, but watching the game yesterday, I was on my phone for the vast majority of it. I was on the forums. I was on Celtic Twitter, seeing what funny things people were saying, even replying to the official club account, which I would never do before. The game was of secondary importance to me. And it's just crazy that this has been allowed to happen in the 10 in a row season. Um, Paul, I'll, I'll come to you first. I hope you don't take offence at this, but I know at times you can take or leave Celtic, maybe fair to say. Um, how are you feeling about the club at the moment? Yeah, I think the, the different scenario for me is that I'm not engrossed in it every day like you three are. Um, it's not a, a full-time gig for me, but it's apathy is a good word. Um, just total disbelief at everything that's going on and the fact that losing at home to St Mirren for the first time in 30 years and then the manager not being sacked after the recent run of results, not being surprising which makes it all that more baffling to me. Well, let's not talk about it then. We've done the Lennon stuff to death. Let's talk about the future of Celtic because there's been massive changes since we last recorded. Our CEO's stepping down. Someone new has been appointed and we've kind of got a flavour of, you know, big changes are on the way. Um, it's obvious that Lennon's not going to be in charge from the end of the season at, at, the, at the very latest. I still think he could go at any moment. To be honest with you, I would not be surprised if Lennon is away um, by the time anyone hears this or by the time, you know, ne- this time next week. So really, what is there to talk about? The Lennon thing is over for me. I'm over it. Um, it's distressing how the season's gone, but there's stuff to look forward to, I think. So we've got to think about what we want Celtic to be going forward, not just for the rest of the season, but beyond. What can Celtic be then, John? Well, Celtic can be whatever they they want to be. I would I would say. Um, I think at the moment this is a club that is not attractive to anyone, including the supporters, the diehard supporters. 
but with the right people in charge, with the right management in charge, with the right executive team in charge, I think this could be a great football club that competes uh, in Europe in the way that we've seen Rangers do over the last couple of seasons. And and by competing in Europe, I'm saying, you know, go into the knockout rounds of either European competition um, and try and get results. I think we could, you know, easily win more trophies in Scotland over the next few years again. Um, None of this is beyond us. Um, For all that's been said about the the trauma that Celtic are going through at the moment, and there has been a lot of trauma, I think the building blocks are in place for me for for Celtic to still be a force with with the right people directing the club. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm quite bullish about Celtic over the next five to ten years. I'm not I'm not concerned about the long-term future of Celtic. I'm concerned that we make terrible short-term decisions that could affect the long-term future of Celtic. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the news that Dominic Mackay was coming in and Peter Law was going away, I was absolutely delighted. Um, I think Peter Law has has held Celtic back for so long. Um, I know people will look at his legacy as being one of... You know, so many trophies. I think he's he's been part of twenty nine trophy wins in thirteen years. Um, or sorry, is it eighteen years? Um, I think he's you know helped us to to numerous other great things in Europe. Although there's also been um, a real underachievement in Europe. Um, I think especially over the last few years, Peter Law has has really held Celtic back. So you know, I, I share that optimism. Um, but I, I don't know yet if it's blind optimism. I don't know if I'm just wanting to believe that there's something better with the future because it quite simply can't get any worse than this season. Um, yeah, Neil Lennon will be away in the summer. I agree with that. Um, Peter Law will be away in the summer. I think they're two of the problems from this season, probably the two biggest problems. But I just think there's so much else that has to change at Celtic. It, is Dominic Mackay the, the guy to do that, Ewan? I mean, you can imagine that he was well sought after from uh, the likes of the SFA kind of elite clubs around around the UK, I would have said, because he has an enormous pedigree. The stuff that he did with Scottish rugby over the last five, six years, uh, I'm not a rugby enthusiast by any means, but you have to admit what he's done. You know, he took a, a, a governing body that was really strapped for cash and now Scotland are kind of back to where they were in terms of being a premier um, rugby union country. So the stuff he did with Glasgow Warriors and I think the Edinburgh rugby team is just called Edinburgh rugby, which is uh, pretty poor. But um, yeah, there's a few there's a few um, things from the CV that make you think, you know, there'll be a little bit of continuity, but he'll have, he'll have his own ideas. Um, and just as long as he keeps the football side to someone who actually knows about it, because I think the problem with Peter Lowell was he felt he could be all all men to you know he, he thought he could be kind of everything and uh, well he obviously had a good relationship with the players there was a scott brown presser which indicated how close he was with the players that's not necessarily what you what you want from a ceo and i think i think mckay will be much more hands-off um but there was one interesting thing i wrote an article about uh, how um it, when he was um when he was at the c uh, when he was at the sre sre he uh, renamed Murrayfield to BT, Murray, uh, BT Murrayfield as part of a as part of a corporate thing, and um, I suggest that oh, if he do, if he does that, uh, you know, Celtic fans will be raging because you know even calling it Parkers um, brings folk to like just this level of rage that I've never seen before. But then folk are all for it apparently, so my finger is not on the pulse at, at all. Uh, 
and I don't know, maybe Celtic Park will have a different name in a couple of years, who knows. There's a wee corner shop around for me that's known as Parker, so maybe they could sponsor the stadium and, and everyone would be a winner. <laughs> um, the, the thing, talking seriously, the thing I, I quite like about Dominic Mackay looking from the outside, and it is just a... Um, you know, a, a short glimpse at, at what he's done at the SRU or I think Scottish rugby as they're preferred to be known. Um, he seems to be quite an outside the box thinker. He seems to have had some some interest in um, things going on while he's he's been at Scottish rugby. You know, the, the obvious example I look at is the fact that Murrayfield bid to be the home of Scottish football, which for me, it doesn't get talked about enough. It was a pretty pretty crazy bid when you look at it. Um, they didn't win it. Of course, Hamden won it in the end. But um, from the quotes um, from the guy that's retired now, McCray at the SFA, um, Mackay um, and Dodson, the other guy, the chief exec of Scottish Rugby, came across really well in those negotiations and they weren't a mile, million miles away from winning that bid. Um, they've done numerous other things that... The concerts they, they host at Murrayfield, the fact they hosted you know a Liverpool-Napoli game last year, the fact they hosted Hearts games, Celtic, uh, European qualifiers, other sports as well, um, I think suggests that he might be quite an outside-the-box thinker. We may get some interesting things at Celtic, which, mm-hmm. Paul, I suppose is a good thing at the moment. And I'm asking that question, given how kind of stuck in their ways everything seems to be at the club at the moment. Yeah, fr- fresh ideas and, and, and fresh forward thinking is something that we've been sorely lacking for a decade or more. We, we've been kind of on this run of, of trophy wins and, and league wins without any real look into the future. And it's shown, obviously, this year it's all kind of came to head and, and maybe in a really short time period, everything is unravelled. And and now that we're making waves to to get, well, say get rid, to, to move on from Peter Lowell, and for someone new, fresh to come in, I think it's it's a positive. It's one positive that we maybe should look at with a wee bit of hope, considering how the last kind of three or four months have gone. If a, a guy is still relatively young, um, not a, an old man by by any means, obviously hungry to to further his career, but obviously looking at what he's done, as you say, the Scottish rugby. And beforehand, like even um, he worked at Chivas and, and a, a couple of friends that worked there and said how good a person he was to, to work alongside. Um, and I think you'd be struggling to find anyone who who's going to jump out and say how he's not a, a nice guy or he's not a person that you want to be working with. But, so that fills me with a good bit of hope that um, he'll come in. I don't know if he'll change stuff up straight away. He'll look at what's, what's going on around about him. And and kind of take stock of, of what we need to do for the future, but I don't think this is a, a short term thing. This is a long term goal, and and a guy like this with some fresh ideas, I think is is only it can only be a positive. I mean, we talk about apathy, and and you're right to say that you know we're apathetic about Celtic at the moment, but all that can change very very quickly. Um, you're only as apathetic as as kind of. Um, Celtic let you be, you know, I, you know, just thinking about the future and talking about the future and talking about some fresh ideas and perhaps, you know, a much needed compartmentalization of the different departments at Celtic between the commercial side and, and the football side. And, you know, while I think he will be more hands off in terms of the football department, I would be very surprised if he doesn't bring in someone with expertise that, that runs that department and, you know, perhaps, we give that person a budget or it's overseen by by a team 
above him again, but um, I could certainly see someone like Mackay Brick, you know, not having too much of an ego to admit that he doesn't know how to run the football department and, you know, he needs help in that regard and that's what we've been badly needing at Celtic, I would suggest, over the the last couple of decades. Um, and so, you know, we could have Mackay in charge of the commercial side of things, driving that revenue and on that side of things. Um, you know, he might rely on other people in terms of football administration, but in terms of the, the football department itself, in terms of the scouting and the playing and the philosophy at Celtic, we need to bring in someone um, who fills that knowledge gap at Celtic because I don't think we've, we have it now, but I feel like we've got people who think they know how to do it now um, and that's been a, a big issue. So as much as the man himself, I'm just happy for some sort of change to be happening at Celtic and, um, you know, as I say, the apathy switches very quickly. This This club has an almost guaranteed cash flow from a group of fifty or sixty thousand people who will back the club if it's sold um, and communicated in the right way, and so you mean you saw that last year through, throughout the pandemic, record-breaking season ticket sales. So this club can be a success, and it just takes the right man with the right vision and the right communication skills for, for the fans to get behind it and for it to all start moving in the right direction again very quickly. For me, they have to give us something before mm-hmm. season ticket renewal. So this idea that, and I know it's it's almost unfair, well, it is unfair on Mackay because he's not in the role at the moment and he won't be until July the 1st, but this idea that they can, t- they can continue with Neil Lennon in charge to the end of the season and that's all okay and fans are still going to stump up the cash, for me, just won't wash because, you know, people think second place is guaranteed this season and for me... You know, that Champions League, uh, you know, chance to qualify for the Champions League, albeit in the non-Champions route, for me isn't a guarantee between now and the end of the season. And if we're looking at giving ourselves the best chance to build something from next season onwards, we need to see some change now. I agree, but I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, what well, if we win the first qualifier, we're guaranteed Europa League group stage football, I believe. So let I would say let's take next season as, you know, we're in the Europa League. I, I can't see us making the group stages no, of the Champions League. And I don't I don't think it's a fair enough ambition at this point to to put that millstone round a new manager or a new CEO's neck given the state of play at Celtic currently. Would you not agree with that? I would yeah, I totally agree. There's not a chance we're getting into the Champions League next year. When you look at some of the teams we can play, I don't care who you bring in in the summer, it's not happening. But you still, we have to finish second this season to give ourselves mm-hmm. that chance, the best possible chance next season. And I really don't think it's a guarantee with with that man in charge of the football club at the moment and the way this team's playing. Um, you know, I know we want this podcast to be a, a positive look at the future, and it has been for the majority of it so far. But I am, I, I can't ignore that huge. You know, well, it's not even an elephant in the room at this stage. It's just an elephant. It's just an elephant rampaging his way through the media. What we'll talk about his post-match interview. Is that what you want to talk about here? To be honest, I I, I come to these podcasts now and I no longer know what I want to talk about because I feel like I'm just living a a nightmare the whole of my life. Um, It's it's tough. But yeah, have you got some quotes there you can really annoy me with, John? Or do you want to paraphrase? I'll paraphrase. I don't have the quotes in front of me. But let's just say that um, if there was any doubt um, that there was a serious disconnect between the players in the dressing room and Neil Lennon at the moment. There is no doubt now. If these players pay any sort of attention to the media, 
then they will not be happy today because what Neil Lennon had to say after the match yesterday was far and away beyond worse than what he said after the Fernandes-Varas game. He called into question the players' professionalism. He suggested they were weak mentally. And then he revisited his Fernandes-Varas comments and said that nothing has changed since that night and that the players who want away from Celtic don't want away from Celtic to better their careers. All they want is more money. If you're one of those players, you're, you know, raging at Neil Lennon today, I would suggest. And um, I thought it was a disgrace from him the way he threw his toys out the pram after that match yesterday. Um, and as Ewan wrote on, on the website, just completely abdicated any sort of responsibility. Um, Ewan, you were obviously covering the match and thinking about the match a lot yesterday. What did you think of his post-match interview? Well, um, far from the apathy that we've spoken about, I've been raging for a good six, seven months now, consistently, like the whole time I've been unbearable. But in regards to the uh, comments he made yesterday, if I was... He just reminds me of every shite boss I've ever had. Like, there was no... You know, if you're told constantly told how awful you are and how you want away and all that kind of thing, you know, even if you didn't believe it at first, the more you're told it, the more it, you know, remains a thought. And it just... I, I don't understand why, you know, if I was a player at Selic and, and Lord willing, one day, but, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I just wouldn't want to work for him because every time, you know his tactics go wrong his team selection goes wrong I mean I don't know what was happening in the second half yesterday it was like musical chairs um yeah if I'm one of his players I just I would I would just give up and you know players have been criticized and people have been claiming that they've been down in tools this season all kind of stuff searching for a move I don't believe that I just think that they've got a coach who is very very quick to criticize um but doesn't ever take accountability or responsibility for the mistakes that he makes and they are his mistakes and it's his job to motivate the players and want them and make them want to play for Celtic football clubs so i just do not buy that any of that at all it was the same with Jeremy Frimpong as well he he said he felt let down by Jeremy Frimpong well i would suggest it's the, the feelings probably mutual in that way he takes no responsibility for anything he is so 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 erratic in the comments he makes um you know I, I think you could look back at the comments Neil Lennon's made this season and you could pick holes in virtually every sentence that guy strings together one week he's blaming Covid and the player's been harshly treated and he's got no complaints over the player's efforts then we lose a game and suddenly the toys are out the pram as John says and you know the, the players are going under the bus and the next week it's the government's fault he is just blaming everything but himself um, I think he's a total embarrassment I think he's a total embarrassment uh, of a Celtic manager I'm sick fed up of seeing him as a Celtic manager and if he is in charge for the game on Wednesday against Kilmarnock then Tuesday. to be honest, Tuesday, sorry. Well, if he's there on Wednesday, that's even worse. But Tuesday would be <laughs> horrendous. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm going to do nothing because that's where we are at the moment. There's nothing we can do. Celtic make the decisions. They hold all the cards. And if they want Neil Lennon to continue in charge and the team to drop more points, which is a certainty if he's in charge at Rugby Park, then that's what will happen. I'll do nothing. But I am just getting so wound up by this whole thing. And mm-hmm. I, I just... I hope that this ages terribly. I really hope I'm wrong with this, but I just think he's going to keep being a manager because, like, why haven't they sacked him right after full time on Saturday? Is there this new rule that people are making up that you can't sack managers on the weekend because you've got to let the bloody stock exchange or something know on Monday morning? What a load of crap! Get him sacked I, at full time. He shouldn't have made his post match conference. Yeah, because I was curious because people have been saying that it's to do with the stock exchange, but. I looked up to Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers was away and appointed as Leicester City match on the 26th. 
and Celtic didn't let the stock exchange know until the 27th. Um, and so I, I, I'm just not buying that as a reason why it can't be communicated at this point. Paul, you're a manager of people, aren't you, in your, in your day job? What mm. do you think of Neil Lennon's comments? And surely it's not even a football issue. It's just a, 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 it's just a person issue. Neil Lennon isn't a good person to be in charge of Celtic at the moment. Yeah, I, I think looking at his quotes are... You've been over them. He's quotes are it's unbelievable, but that's not the first time that that's happened in recent weeks. So we kind of come to expect it. The one that kind of jumped out at me, um, and looking at it from a purely management point of view, he said, he said it's a low point in terms of performance and result, like for the whole season. What, what has he been doing for the rest of the season? Is he looking at the, the, the defeats and the draws that we've been we've been getting and thinking that's all right? Like, is he looking at two, two draws against Livingston in a row? draw against Hibs getting beat off Rangers Sparta Prague Ross County in the Cup AC Milan getting humped is he looking at all them and thinking ah that's alright we're, we're fine but as soon as we lose to St Mern it's, it's all of a sudden it's a really bad and a low point it's it's baffling he's, he's clutching at straws trying to, to make sure that he gets what he, he thinks he deserves in terms of a monetary payout he's, he's lost everything in terms of clout that he had for a, a managerial position and he knows that I think now I think he's just he's either going full Trump and, and thinking that he's he's right and everybody else is wrong, or he is just clutching at everything to make sure that when the time comes and we all hope it is sooner rather than later, that he will be rewarded, um, which seems to me despicable that he's going to be rewarded for the way that things have ended up with his time at Celtic. So I'm led to believe that if we pay him off, it's three hundred grand that he gets. So it's not even from a Celtic's perspective, it's not a large amount of money. So I don't think it's about that from Celtic. I'm not sure what it's about. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure what Celtic's thinking is on this because I'm with Hamish. I'm just completely aghast that he's still in position as manager. Um, and it's not as if, you know, Celtic have sacked legends before and, and will do again. And I just don't buy into the sentiment argument either. I mean, the time for sentiment's long gone. Like you can make an argument for sentiment last October or November or after Ferencvaros, but you know we we've been talking privately, but we've been looking back at the stuff we've said, you know, in public and just privately in our group chat, and this has been in the post for so long. Like it's not as if this has all come up on Celtic off or suddenly. As soon as he gave that Ferencvaros interview after that result in the in the qualifier, this was always destined to hit the wall like this. And so it's just incredible to me that Celtic seem to be have seem to have been caught flat footed when thousands and thousands of other people knew what was coming in the post. Um and I just don't understand the decision making at all. I don't know if Lennon just doesn't uh, Lawwell just doesn't care anymore. Um but you know, there's pressure internally too, because the the SLO, the support liaison officer, JP Taylor, is is digging them up about this issue of the, the New Year review. Um, now it was never promised as a January review there's a bit of a misconception there it was a New Year review um, which is semantics some would argue I, I know the spirit of the statement that they made was very much made it sound like we would get some sort of communication quite quickly into 2021 which is why fans are wanting it at the moment and JP Taylor's apparently digging up the people who would be responsible for making that kind of statement and is just getting stonewalled it seems like and he's on Twitter now saying that it needs to be done ASAP. 
So there's only one employee at the club sticking up for supporters, and they've put him in a very difficult position at the moment because they're hiding behind a wall of silence um, and expecting this guy to bear the brunt of fan feedback. It's just not acceptable. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of romanticism about Peter Lawwell, but the longer he goes on and makes decisions like this and actively is harming Celtic Football Club, then I don't give a damn about Peter Lawwell, and I don't really want to be misty-eyed and uh, romantic, romantic about what he's offered Celtic over the years. I thought the reaction to Peter Law's um, uh, resignation, basically retirement, sorry, is probably a better word. Um, I thought the reaction from some Celtic fans was embarrassing towards it. I thought the fact that you know they were they were saying that you know he's he's been a, a massive success for the club and recent season shouldn't um, you know detract from the the enormous success he's been. I would urge anyone who is viewing Peter Law's legacy down the line to remember how you feel right now as a Celtic fan and how you have felt for the last six months with the way that man has has treated the Celtic support. Um, the the walls of silence are just so 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 unacceptable, and we've got it again today from the club in the twenty you know the thirty hours since full time um, after that Neil Lennon post match interview, we've seen nothing from the club. Um, it's just not on. Um, I want to bring up a, a tweet we got in because we have been asking on Twitter for, for some questions and topics. Um, this one from uh, Panopticophobic. Neil Lennon should step down and a caretaker installed, but what if the board cannot obtain a suitable new manager and this is why no change is happening? They could never publicly state this, so perhaps Neil Lennon has been asked to stay in the post till he can be replaced. Um, Ewan, where do you come down in the whole... Lennon should be removed right now and even if it was a caretaker John Kennedy even someone like that until the end of the season is that something you would be a fan of or you know do you think Neil Lennon's as well riding this out to the end of the season No I've got to say for the record I was never completely I I was absolutely fear when he got the job in the first place uh, especially because of how things ended at Hibs and it's such a mirror scenario to what's happening now. He's lost yeah. his dressing room. The only thing we're missing, mate, is a is a training ground buster. That's the only thing we're missing. And a... that's coming. You know it's coming. Yeah. I, th- I think for the for the sake of these players, you know, they need someone else to come in. I think, you know, if it's John Kennedy, that's, that, that's fine. If there's been talk of, you know, the club trying to bring Damien Duff back on an interim basis, seeing how he gets on, that kind of stuff. But um, honestly, you could put... I don't know, famous Celtic fans, you could put Susan Boyle as a Celtic manager for the rest of the season, I'd be happier. Uh, honestly, it, it just it needs to end now. It's completely ridiculous. And I think one thing we can be ex- that's that's exciting about Dominic Mackay coming in is he's got a PR and media background. So hopefully the, the relationship with supporters will be better. We won't get situations like this. You know, the SLO will have an easier time of it. And, you know, we'll have people in charge of the club who actually are receptive to, to ideas, receptive to protest, but also kind of want it to be a more holistic and, and um, well, good relationship uh, all around there. So that's something to take away from this, you know, that we've got a guy coming in who is very communication focused. And I think that can only be a good thing because this is just farcical at this point. And also, just quickly, uh, I'm not sure if I read this on a forum or on Twitter or what, but someone made a really, really good point. Have you, has any other, has Neil Lennon been linked with any other job when he's been Celtic manager in a way that Brendan Rodgers was or Martin O'Neill was? And does that say an awful lot? I can't think of a time. You know, maybe in his first spell, he might have been linked with a couple of teams down south, but I can't. Well, he went to Bolton. Let's not forget that. Bolton. Yeah. Right, Paul, we'll get your thoughts on on 
what ha- what needs to happen now? Um, w- would you, same question basically as I asked you, and would you be a fan of even having John Kennedy till the end of the season, just getting that poison out of the club at the moment? Because um, I, f- I feel that's what it is at the moment. Yeah, I think I think it'd be hard hard thought to find someone who doesn't want them to to leave just now. And if anybody if if they don't want to leave, then then it's a, it's a kind of a blinkered approach to things. Um, to go back to the question, the, the, the fact of the, they're trying to find a suitable manager to replace them, I get that they maybe want to take their time over this, but there's you can't tell me that there's not five managers out there. Plus, there's easily enough managers out there that would be interested in this job because it's a, especially if they were coming in just now, because it's a no lose situation. They can come in and they're not expected to do anything with the league. The Scottish Cup's probably going to be mothballed. They are on a, a rebuilding programme. And I think one of you guys said on the podcast last week that if he comes in and gets a win at Ibrooks or at Celtic Park against Rangers, then then all the, the better for it, but they're not expected to do it. There's got to be people out there that are, are willing to step up and take this challenge. We've found someone to replace Peter Lawwell. Like that has probably been sticking around. You, you don't talk about these things as much because it's obviously the, the footballing side that you're looking at. But if you turned around five weeks ago and said, right, we need somebody to replace Peter Lawwell because he's going to retire, but we don't know if there's any anybody suitable out there. There is suitable people to replace these people. And I think the sooner Lennon goes, the better for everybody involved. Um, we're, may, we're, we're kind of doing it backwards. We're, we're having a, a rebuild of the, the backroom with the CEO instead of it. It should be the manager first and then the CEO should be following on for that. And it should be a kind of double-edged sword. At the same time, this is happening and we are showing the fans, even if they're not communicating it properly, that change is coming. Ah, Valentine's Day is upon us once again, fellas. So make sure you're ready for wherever the night may take you. And I'm not talking about a gloomy draw in the West Lothian snow. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so that you can be ready for anything on that special day. Your girl can't think of what to get you this year. Well, tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. Manscaped have got the likes of the Crop Reserver and the Crop Reviver. These boys stop our boys from sweating, smelling and sticking, you name it. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also the ideal gift and it comes as part of the Perfect Package 3.0. Over 2 million men are already trusting Manscaped. Incidentally, that's the same number of weekly listeners this podcast gets. So what are you waiting for? Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the code GRANDPOD, that's one word, GRANDPOD, at manscaped.com. We move on to transfers, guys. Uh, To be honest, there's been a couple of developments today. One of them is Mm -hmm. pretty farcical, pretty funny, if we're honest. Um, The news that Ben Davies, a player who was reported to be signed for Celtic pretty much by, by Anthony Joseph at Sky Sports, we then had that dialed back a bit and now seems like he's going to be going to Liverpool of all teams um, after their defensive Mm -hmm. crisis, injury crisis. Um, However, there's been some more positive news just prior to recording. It seems like the Everton fullback John Joe Kenny is going to come in on loan until the end of the season. Do we know much about him, John? Do we care much? Um, Well, we need need a body there. Um, After the Frimpong departure, we need someone there. 
Um, John Kenny, I think he's got something like 50 appearances forever in. He's only 23. He also spent last season out on loan in the Bundesliga for Schalke and played regularly for them. So he's not a no-hoper. Um, and, and uh, you know, he's certainly an improvement, I would suggest, on shifting Ayer out of his most comfortable position and having to play Shane Duffy. And I would suggest he's an improvement over El Hamid as well. Um, but with Lennon in charge, does it matter? I don't really know. I mean, I think I think you're right about what you said earlier. I think Neil Lennon's toxic and poison at the moment. Um, so we just need to wait and see. I mean, uh, on the face of it, it looks like a decent sign-in, so we'll just have to hope that it is. Um, and then the club are going to be scrambling around for some sort of centre-back sign-in tomorrow because the way that situation has developed over the last month with John Kennedy admitting we were after Philip Benkovic for him to then move to Belgium, and then Neil Lennon actually saying that we wanted Ben Davis in before the deadline after the St Mirren game last night. And then a day later, he's off to Liverpool. Um, that kind of stuff's just not good enough. It's embarrassing. Um, in the grand scheme of this season, it's a small issue. But normally, that kind of thing would be a big issue for supporters. And it's just it's just embarrassing. So, yeah, that's what we're looking at as we head into deadline day. I think John Joe Kenny's pretty, pretty much a done deal. He's going to be alone till the end of the season. Um, so we just need to wait and see how that pans out. I suppose a knock-on of signing Kenny could be that we, we hopefully won't need to see too much more of Shane Duffy um, between now and the end of the season, um, which is obviously obviously a positive. Uh, Ewan, I'm, I'm, just, I'm really trying here, but nothing about Celtic, maybe barring the, the news about Dominic Mackay is getting me excited at all at the moment. Just everything is such a slog. We haven't signed any players this month and... To be honest, I, I, I'm not even really too bothered about that because I just feel like if we signed any players and obviously Kenny looks like he's going to be signing, they'll almost be be ruined by the coaching at the club and, and the management uh, at the club. Are you excited about deadline day at all tomorrow? Uh, excited in the sense that... Um... No, to answer that, sorry. I, I, tried, to, <laughs> I tried my best. Uh, John Joe Kenny, from what I've seen of him, I mean, first of all, that's an absolutely class Celtic name, and I think people will enjoy that. But um, he uh, he seems to have decent pedigree. At 23 years old, he's got something to prove. Uh, my only concern is when we sign a fullback on loan in January, it almost never works out. Um, I think maybe Jeremy Tolian is the most recent example of that. And it also concerns me that, you know, that Schalke team he played for were absolutely dire. Yeah. Like they were very, very bad. So he might be pretty low in confidence. It might take him a few games to really come into, you know, come into any sort of form at Celtic. But I think it's a good signing. Uh, as for Ben Davies, that's I, I I don't think anyone could have predicted that. His agent is probably the hardest working person in the UK right now, apart from the folk giving out vaccines, because that's absolutely incredible. Um, and I'd say fair play to him. You know, like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, of course, yeah. I don't know if he'll get a game at Liverpool because he would have thought. I mean, he's what twenty five now, so he would have thought if he was going to move to the Premier to a, like a, you know, a historic Premier League club like Liverpool, it would have happened by now. So it's a bit strange. Uh, but no, fair play to him and his agent. Uh, I'm excited for them more than Amos. Liverpool, what they're signing him for two million pounds. Even if he plays a couple of games and covers a few, you know, they've got injury problems at the moment. Even if he only plays a few games. Two million pounds, they'll sell him for an easy profit, easy, easy profit to the championship or a or a lower league, a lower half the division Premier League team, um, and make it easily double the money on that at least. So, um, you know, it's good from their perspective as well. It's just silly from our perspective that we didn't seem to manage to tie this one down earlier. 
It's um, just indicative of, of what we've seen from the, the club transfer-wise over the last few years. The amount of players that we have been linked with that we just aren't signing. Uh, even this month alone, you know, you touched on Benkovic. I'll add Mark McKenzie into it. Alfie Doughty. Uh, I think there's been a, a few others. A guy, Bright Osai Samuel. These are all players that we were clearly linked with. They weren't just... Um, you know, speculation in the papers. These were players that we were clearly linked with and that we didn't sign. What what does that come down to then? You know, we've got we've had a few questions in. Um, Chris asking about scouts. Why is there no scouting system? Paid scouts, boots on the ground to feed back to the club. Uh, is this even a thing in modern football? I think Celtic do have scouts, but I don't know exactly what they're doing. Um, Celtic End podcast also asking uh, bad signings or bad integration into a club and country while in pandemic. We don't need a pandemic to be bad at it. Look at the amount of players we buy from abroad and how many of them fail here but succeed elsewhere and most times in a higher uh, standard of league. So I can ask you this question last week, John, um, mm-hmm. but do, do you think it's, it's bad signings or is it just an overall bad atmosphere and bad workings at the club that, that's contributing to this? I mean, I think that's a great point about the integration of foreign players. Like, that's something that we haven't dealt with well at all this season. And our way of dealing with it seems to be dropping them first and foremost. And then when people ask about it, slating them in the media. <laughs> and regardless of what you think about Vasilis Barkas's start at Celtic and I think the way that Lennon's treated him has been appalling and I would be seriously questioning my future if I was that goalkeeper. I would be looking for a move away anywhere that I could get to away from Neil Lennon given the way he's been treated. And I think that we do need to have more of a focus on how to... I mean, especially if we're signing young players, which we do, the way that we need to integrate these young foreign players into the Celtic setup and you know, transfer to a kind of a Scottish way of life. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure how much the club do on that side of things. I'm speaking in ignorance on that. But from afar and from the outside, it doesn't look like we're doing close to enough. Now, I do believe that the club do try to set them up with some sort of housing um, and all that. But what are we doing culturally to help them? Um, and what are the, what is the dressing room doing culturally to help them? Um, and how are we integrating these people into our Celtic way of thinking. Do we even have a Celtic way of thinking? Do we have a do we have a culture at Lennox Town? Do we have a culture within the squad? That's what we need to have. And if we don't have that, that's part of the problem. Um, there should be an identifiable way um, of training and looking after yourself and the way you conduct business on the training ground. That should be something that Celtic know what it is that they can then impart that knowledge onto people who are coming into the club, whether they're coming from Preston or whether they're coming from Athens, you know. Um, and I, I just feel like that part of it's lacking. And it brings me back to the point of, you know, having a director of football in charge. Now, my scenario, you know, the way I want this to play out, and I wouldn't mind having a caretaker until the summer, if our next appointment is a director of football. Now, if we could sort of have a caretaker in place and then spend the next few months to appoint the director of football and then the director of football helps us pick a manager that takes Celtic forward. I think that's the the steps and that's the the process that should take place. I think appointing a manager and then a director of football isn't the way it should work. 
Um, that's just my my two thoughts on that. And it all comes back to this have building a identity at Celtic and then having players identifying players who fit into that identity as people um, and not just signing players because of their talent. Yeah, it just feels like the whole club is so scattergun at the moment. There, there's no clear goal from from anyone at that club, um, and for me, that's just summed up in you know how all over the place they are in, on social media. They they have no idea what they're doing on there. Um, they have no idea what they're doing as a club as a whole. Um, Paul. You know, John was saying at the start that he is relatively excited for what's to come and maybe not the immediate future, but in the, you know, seasons to come. Um, it's just occurred to me there that in all probability, we'll be looking at a Celtic with a new chief executive, a new manager and a new captain. So it's going to be a brand new Celtic we're seeing next season. Does Does that thought give you some sort of excitement for what's to come? Bit of excitement, bit of fear. Um, it's it's just kind of moving into a brave new world. It's like, how long have we kind of rested on the fact that that Peter Lawwell's been there, Scott Brown's been the captain? It's 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 a strange situation because I think for so long before Brown, the captain said wasn't a, a hugely long term thing. It was maybe two or three seasons, and that we've had this kind of steadiness um, up until. Some would argue two years ago, some would argue last season under Brown, um, kind of keeping the, the ship steering uh, in the right way towards 10 in a row. But I think we changed. We, if, you, if you look at the change in, in a, a completely negative way, then you're going to be setting yourself up for failure. I think we have to look at it in a positive way. We need to, to think how these people are going to change things up. Like, firstly, let's hope they stop wishing all the ex players a happy birthday. Um, and take that as, as we can we can stop doing and then move forward. Um, there needs to be a, a complete overhaul of, of a lot of the strategy that we have in place, like this strategy of after we get beat, um, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in the league, whether it's in a cup, that we, we don't tweet about it, we don't post on Facebook until maybe a couple of days later and then we, we just pretend that it didn't happen. There needs to be a look at how the the club interacts with the fan base, the not not just the fact that they're a fan base, but the fact that these are are paying customers who are um, now probably more than ever are, are putting their money um, into something that is quite unknown. Um, for the last ten years, we've, we've been putting more money into to a thing that we know that probably eight times out of ten that we're going to get a win and we're going to score goals and we're going to be entertained. And obviously, there's been hard times. There's been difficult matches and there's been tough, tough games to watch. But we knew at the end of it that the reward was going to come and we were going to be kind of almost guaranteed a, a league trophy and a, to, to celebrate. And now that it's coming home to roost, I think most people have, have recognised that that's not going to happen this season, that they will be looking forward to, to this season, but also the autopsy of how this has been allowed to happen will still maintain. Um, I think with new people on board and I think it's pretty obvious unless something happens that Callum McGregor is going to be the new captain um, I can't say that I'm disappointed with that Callum McGregor has been he's, he's been a sacrificial lamb a lot of the time over the past couple of weeks and he's the man that's been put up in front of the media and, and, and told to say the, the right things and how the, the players are, are wanting to react and it's just not happening or they want to get goals or Whatever they well, he speaks more honestly. He speaks more honestly than anyone at Celtic at the moment. He speaks more honestly than Neil Lennon, and 
know, some of the stuff he does say is sound bites, but I always feel like you get one or two bits of insight into what's happening. I mean, something he said yesterday in the wake of yesterday's game that he kind of let slip that for whatever reason, the players aren't implementing what Neil Lennon wants them to in the dressing room, wow. um, which tells its own story. Um, and yeah, I mean, Callum McGregor is going to be the next captain and I think he's the right man for that job. Yeah, I would agree with that. So in this brand new Celtic that we're going to get next season, what one thing above all others would you like to see change from what we've got at the moment? Uh, Paul, I'll, I'll come to you first. I know I'm kind of chucking you in the deep end, but you gave us some good ideas just there. I think transparency is, is the main thing. Um, although I know that's a kind of it's a wide berth of of things, but I think the the way that the club interacts with the, the fans has to improve. Um, there's it's a it's a low it's a low point to begin with. So anything that that helps um, or that is added on to what we currently have is going to be a bonus. You will get your naysayers who come out and say that that we shouldn't be doing this and we shouldn't be discussing our stuff in the in the open air for everybody else to dissect. But I think we in this day and age with with instant news and, and rolling twenty four hour coverage of, of pretty much everything that's going on at the club and um throughout the league, that we have to be reactive um, and we have to be proactive as well. We have to make sure that if something is going to happen that is going to look negative, like take the Dubai debacle for example, the club took how long to to put Peter Lowell in front of the cameras, they they should be doing that straight away. There should be um, automatic things should be in motion to to offset the negative press that they were going to get from that. They obviously shouldn't have went in the first place, but the, if things are going to happen, then they need to be answered. They need to be, these questions need to be answered straight away, and um, they need to stop pandering to I don't know who who it is, but they, they need to look at the the supporters and the people who are putting their hand in the pocket every single week as their number one priority going forward from now. But as soon as the change comes in for going forward from then. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the attitude towards fans is, is the one I would have picked out as well. I, I just think that has to change so much. I just think it's um, the, the disrespect of showing the Celtic support who basically run the club with the money they pump in. You know, we're not a team playing in England that takes the most of our money from TV contracts. We're a, a team that relies on the support more than most. And the way they have treated fans this year um, is something that, that I really hope changes with the new regime. The other one I've got down here, and it's a bit vague, but I would just quite like Celtic to reach their potential. That just seems like... It seems like a, just a feeling over the last 10, 15 years, and I'm referring to, to European football here, that we've just really not reached our potential since Seville, probably. Um, we've never been on any sort of really good European run, barring a few wins in a group stage. And when you look at similar, in fact, not similar, smaller teams around Europe, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, Salzburg, who I know... I've got Red Bull's money, but um, Genk, teams like that who have gone much further than us in the Europa League. Um, I just really think we shouldn't be settling for just getting to the round of 32 in the Europa League going forward. I, I think Celtic really need to to reach their potential. So that would be the, the two things that I really hope. More transparency with fans and a better European performance. Um, John, do you have any? I want the club to embark on a five-year plan. That's clearly communicated to the supporters. I mean, it sounds airy fairy and it sounds a bit like, you know, 
that's a bit ambitious, but the club need to put together a review of not what's gone wrong, but what can be better at Celtic. Um, and as I said before, the departments need to be separate from each other and there needs to be oversight of them, of course. But, um, you know, we need to have a football department that is run by football people and is run by modern football people who are aware of the latest trends and aware of how the game is changing. And within that, they need to build a five-year plan um, of the football activities and the commercial activities. And there'll be some points that those intertwine and there'll be other points that are completely separate. And then this needs to be communicated to supporters by the end of the year. Um, I'm not expecting it overnight on day one when Dominic Mackay comes into the club. But the club needs to find out what it wants to be. And I don't think the club knows what it wants to be at the moment. Um, it's all well and good saying we need to qualify for more regularly for the Champions League. How? How are you going to do that? Tell us how you're going to do that. Are you going to place a premium on youth development? Are you going to try and make more project signings that work within the new Celtic identity? What is the Celtic identity? Why have you picked a manager to be in charge of Celtic in this moment? Is this a stopgap manager? until you figure out what the club want to be and then you you bring in a new manager. You know, I just want I just want it clear about what's happening. I think communication is such a massive part of this. I'm willing to back Celtic on anything if what I if what I feel like what they're saying has a clear plan and there's logic to what they're saying. There's just no logic at Celtic at the moment. There hasn't been logic at Celtic for a long time and and um, people have managed to circumvent that um, for a, a multitude of reasons but you know success is one of them and, and fair play to them but we can't rely on those glories anymore and yeah that's what I want most of all I want a five-year plan that's that's really what I want by the end of 2021. Paul McGinley's been in touch. Uh, I wonder if it's any relation to you, John, because he's got a, a very similar idea. Uh, he says, I would like to see the club announce some sort of vision. Uh, I would like a European model as well as challenging for the league every year and a good bashing European football, whether it be the Champions League, Europa League or the, the new look UEFA Conference Europa League, which uh, which starts next season. Um, Ewan, any thoughts on that? Any ideas of your own that, that you would really like to see change at Celtic? In terms of the, the overall culture of the club, is for me, it's a mix of modernity and, and tradition because I think, as has as already been pointed out, we need to adapt to more, more current ideals in terms of the footballing side of the club. I think the recruitment, obviously, we've talked about um, several times, but we've sort of lurched from season to season without kind of a overarching recruitment strategy, as far as I can see. Um, and I think it's all fine and well saying, well, you know, youth players have facilities. Okay, that's fine. But there's not any sort of, you know, un under under Rogers, there was a lot of talk about um, tactics being consistent throughout the youth teams. Um, we saw more players come through, um, not all to great success, but we saw more players come through. And that's that's been something that's been quite absent uh, for me anyway. And in terms of tradition, it's, I don't like, there's a lot about the club that I really don't like from a commercial side. I don't like you know, us selling out to every betting company that bats our eyelids. I, I think there are parts of the match to experience that I just find a bit unseemly. Um, and um, I think it was really good that um, Mackay pointed out kind of the roots of the club and, and the work that the foundation does and just needed to be a bit more human, to be honest. Um, I, that's probably just, you know, me being a very sensitive uh, socialist type, but um, 
I really do think there's a lot about Celtic experience at the moment that's kind of strayed away from from where the clubs come from, and and, that, and that's concerned me for a number of years now. Yeah, with us not going to f- to matches this season, you kind of forget some of the stuff that that went on in previous seasons. That admittedly, you know, seems small fry in comparison to the, you know, the the horrors of this season. But the old things we used to get about, you know, the, the prices for one-off European matches and the treatment of of certain fans at, at certain games. Um, I, I just really hope this is going to be a massive fresh start for us. Hand on heart, John, do you think that Dominic Mackay is, is going to come in and, and transform the club or will he just look to follow on from what Lowell's done? Well, I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to be a revolution, but um, it certainly needs to change. I think, he, And I think he knows, if he's got any sense about him at all, he'll know that there's a desire for change. Um, and the challenge will be, though, battling against that within the club. I think there's inertia just built into the club at the moment, just with the people who are employed in certain areas of it, and he's going to have to fight a battle against that. And, you know, obviously, you'll, as in any walk of life, if you try and come in and change things too quickly, it doesn't work. And so there'll be an element of that as well. But again, as long as, you know, he makes clear the challenges that are ahead and be honest about the challenges that are ahead, Success is no longer guaranteed at Celtic. Um, I think everyone realizes that now. We might not win a win the league every season now, and we might not win a trophy every season. Um, but as long as people are honest, people Celtic fans can see through the bullshit, and I don't think that the club realize that they can, and they certainly act like they they the fans don't see through it. I think the time of pandering has has to go. Um. And especially the act of pandering with one hand and doing nefarious things with the other, which seems to have been par for the course at Celtic over the last ten years specifically. Um, yeah, so there's it's you know that you've got to have hope because if you don't trust that the change in CEO is going to bring any change at Celtic at all, it's just too depressing to think about. Um, and I think the mechanism for serious change at the moment is just not quite there at the moment. You know they've got the the Celtic trust and all that, but I just I don't think there's anything credible that's uniting the support right now, other than a desire for Celtic to really change its ways um, from what we've seen over the last decade. Yeah, that that's the main thing that 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 fans want. I don't think the fans do all know exactly what we want, but one thing we do, to slightly contradict myself, is we do want change, and and we all want change because. It's plainly obvious that what has happened this season has been an absolute car crash from from right from the start um, and, until what we're witnessing now. And it keeps getting worse. That's the alarming thing for me. And supporting Celtic has been such a struggle. Uh, if I didn't work to do with Celtic, I would not be watching games. I'd be giving games a mess. I probably wouldn't watch a single game between now and the end of the season because this team has turned me off so much. Uh the, the whole attitude from the club blaming everyone but themselves has turned me off. Um, and I thought Friday's news that Peter Law was was standing down at the end of the season was was absolutely huge. Uh, you know, immediately people were saying that they felt that the time that, that that meant that Lennon would be staying to the end of the season. And to be honest, I did feel that at the time. I, I think now that I would hope that, that Lennon wouldn't see it out to the end of the season because I think results are just going to keep getting worse if he does. 
Um, and I just, I just hope that there's a, a positive future for Celtic going forward. I've kind of gone through some of the questions that we got in on, on Twitter. I'll be honest, there's, there's a few of them, not that they're bad questions, but I just feel like it's issues that we've, we've talked about so often this season and and I'm just a bit sick, fed up of doing a, a Celtic podcast. Um, is there anything good been happening in any of your lives, guys? Cheer up. <laughs> listen, listen. You, did, I know you're at the end of your tether here, Hamish, but honestly, we're at the end of this now and it's just... I mean, I, th- I do think there are better times ahead and, you know, we've just got to ride through this last bit of drama. Don't be too despondent about everything. I know it's been a rubbish season, but you, you're honestly going to feel much better about Celtic once things kind of turn the corner again. Sometimes I feel, and then, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is getting into the woods a bit, but sometimes I feel you you don't see the bigger picture. I think you, you're, you out of any of us, more kind of get caught in the, the week-to-week um, happenings of Celtic. Uh, but you need to look at the bigger picture and realise that all is, you know, Celtic are going to be back and they're going to make you feel happy again. Um, and it's just, that's just the way, that's just the way it goes. I, I do genuinely believe that. So don't be too despondent. Um, I do think that the the foundations are there at Celtic for Celtic to be a good club again that we want to support. Um but it's on all of us as people who, you know, write about Celtic, host podcasts about Celtic, host YouTube channels about Celtic to keep demanding and talk about what you want Celtic to be because that's ultimately the only way that um, people come round to your way of thinking as well. I mean, you've got to talk about the Celtic you want, to, want it to be rather than the Celtic you don't um, like um, and, that, and that's the way to approach things. Paul, how are you feeling about everything? Uh, scurred, but uh, optimistic. I think the, the the small ashes they were rising from the ashes. I think the Dominic McKay thing is a positive. Um, and we, if you can't take the the small positives and the small wins from, especially a season such as this, and I know Hamish is probably more difficult for for you and and, and maybe. John and, and you maybe less so just because of Hamish with the, with the videos and, and the constant working around things that you have to do and, and and speaking about this stuff day in day out is I can I can only empathise with you how how draining it must be. Um, we've been through a hell of a lot in this season. We've probably been through six or seven seasons worth of ups and downs in this one season compared to the the kind of the run that we had, um, especially under Brendan Rodgers. So football comes in, in circles. These things happen. One team isn't going to be dominant forever. And we've been through bad times before. Um, I know it's probably a long time ago to think about the bad times we've been through, but we have been through them and we've got through them and we've came out the other side and we've won trophies, trophies galore. And we will win trophies again um, this season just hasn't happened and things have to be, we have to look at it. And if you look at it in a, a negative way, you're going to get stuck in the rut. Um, you think about it in a positive way that, that again, Celtic will win, Celtic will make you enjoy life. You'll be, you walk into a pub, you see your pals, you, you have a, a smile on your face because you know that the Celtic are playing, you maybe couldn't get a ticket that day for a cup game, a cup final, um, but you know that the Celtic are going to turn up and they're going to do the business and, and that's the kind of things that we all have to, to hold on to, especially just now with the way everything everything is. Um, 
we, we, we'll have good times again. Um, there's no doubt about it. And it's just when it comes, we need to, I think, we need to look at it and think how, how good it is. We, we've maybe been a bit, a bit cocky, a bit, um, underappreciative of the, the times that we've had over the last three or four years, especially. But now that we have had this really bad time, we will appreciate the, the good times even more um, when they return and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Well, it'll be good times this week if Neil Lennon is fired. I'll be celebrating that. <laughs> like, I probably would have celebrated 10 in a row. It's just the one thing I want to see this week. Um, and I'm deadly serious. I'm going to have such a party when that guy is removed from the club. Ewan, final say to you. No, I just completely agree with everything Paul said and agree that Neil Lennon should be away this week. And I'm sorry, but I just don't have any original takes now. Um, yeah, it's. I think there's still a lot to look forward to. Um, and I think we need to, you know, when we look back on this era, it'll still be an era of incredible success. And yeah, there'll be frustration that it was completely self-inflicted, that it wasn't, you know, more successful in the end. But I think ultimately we'll look back on this time as, as a good time to be a Celtic supporter um, in general. But uh, yeah, improvements need to be made and need, need to be made sooner rather than later. But I think um, I'm not alone in thinking that. So uh, it'll get better. It will. Right. Tuesday night, we face Kilmarnock, 7.45, kickoff live on Sky Sports Football. Then Hip Hip Parade, the champions, because we are still champions, return Back to Celtic Park next Saturday. A nice easy game at home to Motherwell. I'm fully expecting six points from those next two games. And I'm fully expecting all four of us to be back on next weekend chatting about two glorious wins for Celtic and hopefully a new manager. <laughs> Anyone want to disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, when I said be positive, I don't mean go overboard. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything's great nowadays. Thank you, guys. It's been our first four-man podcast ever, I think. I really appreciate all your time. Also appreciate everyone listening to this show. Um, what you could really do if you enjoy this show uh, is leave us a wee review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. It would massively help us if you want to spend 30 seconds doing that. Say something positive, four or five stars. Go for it, and we'll speak to you next week. 